Hi, I'm Mike Allen, Head of Research at Zeus, and today I'm talking about some of the key themes in the UK EV automotive industry with Jordan Brompton, co-founder of MyEnergy. We believe MyEnergy is at the forefront of the British renewable eco-smart technology innovation and manufacturing. MyEnergy's renowned Zappi product was the world's first solar and wind compatible EV car charger and puts the UK on the world stage for manufacturing in this high growth space in our view. Jordan's been a valuable contact of mine for over five years and I'm a happy Zappi customer having acquired the home charging point over three years ago. Jordan, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Perhaps we could start with a, a, an overview of the history of My Energy. why you founded the company and the basic business model, please. Yeah, of course. So we started it in 2016, myself and Lee Sutton. He's the CEO and um, other, other founder. And we both worked in the renewable space for some years before that. Um, Lee used to be a solar installer. He saw a gap in the market for self-consumption. That's where you keep the energy in the house. Um, because there was what was called the feed-in tariff at the time and you got paid the feed-in tariff regardless of whether you used it or sent it to the grid or not so we saw a little gap in the market to divert the power to your hot water so you made your money from your generation and you saved uh, money off your bills and yeah. self-consumption we sort of invented that market essentially um and it's all about our business is all about trying to keep the house at zero zero import and zero export so essentially taking you off grid but still yeah. having the support of being on grid um so he he invented a little device that diverted the power to a hot water tank and i went to work for him at the time it was around um in, in the about 2010 2011 and we sold 25,000 of these devices, manufactured them all in the UK. And then the, the solar coaster crashed and all the electricians went out of business overnight and the wholesalers stopped buying. And Lee had <laughs> shareholders at the time that wanted their money out. And yeah. he wanted to keep going. And it was a real sad time because I really believed in the industry as well. And I thought, oh God, what a guy, like what an invention. Yeah. And I wish I'd been involved from the beginning. So I said to him, if you ever want to start up again, hit me up and we'll do something together. And then um, 2016, he taps on my shoulder. He's wrapped everything up with that previous business. It went into voluntary insolvency. And he had a little moment where he thought, do I just go and get a normal job or do I really want to do this again? And he came to see me and I was like, let's do it. We didn't have any manufacturing equipment. We didn't have any brand. <laughs> we had <laughs> nothing. We, we didn't have the rights. We had to redesign the product. Um, but we got stuck in and I'd always kept a close eye on the renewable industry. I'd always kept a close eye on electric vehicles because they excited me. I like cars. Um, and this was when they were not exciting or sexy or people were talking about them. So 2016, we, we started up and very much in research and development to begin with. And then in 2017, we launched three products in quick succession. So the uh, Eddy product, which is a power diverter to the hot water, but we yeah. built it so that it could um, work in the German market as well, because we knew that that was an untapped market that was going to start looking at self-consumption. And then Lee had this idea for the Zappi, which is a, the, the world's first electric um, vehicle charger that diverts solar power to your car. Yeah. So essentially giving you a completely green charge. And we also built in clever things like load balancing. Everything that was in the eddy, we put into the Zappi as well. So load balance in the home. So if you've got loads going on in the house, like, you know, there's an electric shower whilst your car's plugged in, the Zappi will notice that yeah. and, and, and just 
ramp down the charging to match what the house can consume so you don't blow your main fuses and things like that. So we were the first to bring to market load balancing, first to bring to market solar charging, first to bring to market smart charging essentially because at the time that we entered this entered the market it was just dumb sockets on a wall basically putting full power to the car no matter what yeah, um and we thought that's not very sustainable you know if you're going <laughs> to be plugging if you're going to be plugging loads millions of electric cars in to yeah. a dirty grid um it sort of defeats the object it defeats, it defeats the uh, mission so we 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 thought we'd do what we can to play our part in this transition to sustainable heat and sustainable transport and we're now a 420 strong team we've got Amazing. offices all around the world we've manufactured all of our products um that are on the market in the uk um yeah. we've just built a new factory um that opens in the middle of this year and um it's just insane growth for my energy so we just did a real great job at getting in the market at the right time with a differentiated proposition and um, we've been developing products in the background ever since. It's it's a great brand and it's just so easy to use as well. I mean, as soon as my unit got shot, um, got installed, which was a really easy process and the guys were really knowledgeable, et cetera, I haven't looked back. It, it, I just haven't had an issue with it at all. And it, it it's just so easy to kind of to use. So it does make that transition which is a big transition from moving to a diesel to an electric car, just that much easier, really. Yeah, we wanted to give it, um, I'm glad you said that, it's a nice compliment because sometimes, you know, when, when you've got a lot of engin engineers designing a product, it's hard to then, it's a big mission to then make it user-friendly. And that was a yeah. real core mission of ours as a company because I thought, what an exciting industry. And, and, and like I said, there were just sockets on a wall that didn't have any brand, any name, any identity, any sort of smart tech in them. And it's an emerging space. It's an exciting yeah. space. So even just calling it Zappy, you know, giving it an actual name made, yeah. made a big difference. And then the user friendly stuff we want, you know, the, the smiley face on the house. We want kids to be like plugging it in. We want people to be able to just look at the screen and know what's going on or look at the app and know what's going on. And so it's nice that you um, that you think that. And you also wrote a little book as well, because my four-year-old daughter at the time has still got it. And again, Aww. she she understands the, the reason for it as well, which is a lovely touch. Oh, yeah. I, I just um, when 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 we started my energy and with the branding, I, had, I just had this idea that I wanted the character, you know, like Gaz and Lecky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought it because it just gives the company a face. It it's the the. The kids love electric, like they yeah. love electric cars still to this day. If I'm driving yeah. around in the Tesla, kids yeah. are like elbowing the parents and going, mom, 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 with Tesla. Yeah. And I think that's something that they've done so well. Tesla have done that so well. And I thought not only do I want to educate the kids because I don't want to terrify them to death about climate change because it's just all doom and gloom everywhere you turn. Yeah. But I want, I want to make them feel empowered and, and know the facts, but also feel empowered that we are as adults doing stuff to help um, their generation. Yeah, I mean, there's no question EVs in a growth segment. We're seeing that in the new car registration data we have for the last couple of years. We're going to see more of it in the years ahead as well. We, we are getting a bit more, uh, some more criticism, though, mainly from non-EV drivers is in that the cars, they say the cars are too expensive. The public charging infrastructure isn't ready. How would you counter that? Um, so I've been driving an EV since 2016 and I can honestly say that I've never had 
Actually, that's a lie. I was going to say I've never had a problem. I have had a problem, but I'll yeah. talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, it's improved a lot since then. So in 2016, the public network was virtually non-existent and you had to have all different memberships and this, that and the other. And it was and, and the range of the car that I had at the time I only did like 55 miles. I managed to get up to Orkney and it was completely free. <laughs> so <laughs> I managed it. it. Took me day. Felt like it took me days. It was 24 hours um, with 13 stops. But I really wanted to flex the network. I wanted to understand yeah. the industry that I was about to get into. Yeah. Um, so th those were the early days where it was a real struggle back in 2016. But literally about a year or two later, I was like, it's flying now. Yeah, the yeah. amount of money that's going into the public infrastructure. And then the ranges of the cars are just getting longer and longer. Um, so you don't need the public infrastructure as much, which is only mm -hmm. going to keep improving. Um, so I just think... I don't see any issue. I feel like there's a lot of propaganda at the moment um, in the media. It seems to have taken a little bit of a turn over even over the last three or four months. I just think what's going on in the media to all of a sudden from loving it, from yeah. loving me in the, the transition to now all of a sudden creating division. But I guess that's how you get views and you get ratings and it's clickbait. And if you're causing two parts of an argument, you're going to constantly yeah, people yeah. talking online. I do see that, that it's the new contentious uh, subject and I yeah. just try and like calmly tell people that there's still billions being um, invested in the yeah. UK infrastructure. It's already a hell of a lot stronger than it was only a few years ago and 90% of charging is done at home anyway. So if you're lucky, lucky enough to have a home, if you're lucky enough to have a driveway, yeah. um, you'll hardly ever use the infra infrastructure. And then I'm a big believer in what I call destination charging. So just anywhere where you spend an hour of your time or a couple of hours, I think that every building should have a charge point just so that if you're ever caught out or you ju you're just topping up the charge everywhere you go, you don't need to rapidly charge it all the time. You don't need to let it drop down to zero miles and then charge it up to 200 miles. Like the average journey is, I think, something ridiculous like eight miles. You know? yeah. No, that's so it. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of fake, fake news out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I've traveled, I've, I've not traveled up to Orkney in my electric car, I must admit, but I have done like, you know, long journeys, 250, 300 mile journeys. And I find you just got to accept you know that um it, it takes longer to charge your car up if you're doing that and i do i might do a journey like that three or four times a year and invariably there's a nice cost of coffee next to a rapid charging point you get your laptop out you, you spend an hour doing some emails and you you can go again it's it's uh, it, it's just fact it, it's knowing the infrastructure and factoring in the time and i i don't find that problem you're so right it just takes a little bit more planning as you adjust yeah. then it becomes second nature very quickly when you've had it for an, an EV for a few months or you've done those first few journeys I remember feeling like anxious and yeah. feeling dead nervous yeah. going out those first few times and um, it made me late for a few meetings but I'm talking like I feel like back in the day now, like 2017, 2016, 2017, yeah. back in the day. I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's a long time ago. Now, anymore. And the UK is quite ahead of the curve when it comes to regulation and stuff like that. Like the, I know that the public charger networks are opening up so that you don't have to have memberships and yeah. you can contactless pay if you want. You might pay a premium, yeah. but you're going to pay a premium for convenience if you just want to tap and go and you want super fast power. If yeah. not, just charge at home on a cheap tariff, a green tariff yeah. from your solar panels and just let it top up, trickle, trickle charge. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
And maybe if we move on to supply chain issues, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you've had the same supply chain issues as everyone else has really, you know, from COVID, but just wondered whether you felt this year was the year of recovery, things have eased a bit on that front and what you think the new normal looks like as well? Are there, are there any delays in any other parts or are we fully through that now? You know, they crop up every now and again, but there's usually plenty of suppliers around the world to be able to source alternative components. But I'd say the biggest challenge we had was the microchip shortage. It was brutal and it happened pretty quick. <laughs> we just found out that we were not going to get a delivery like three months before the delivery was due. And, you know, we had thousands of orders in the system that we needed to get out the door. And that was a real like, oh, crap no yeah. like what are we actually going to do um and there was nowhere else they're not easy to make and people say to us oh just yeah. can't you just make your own micro trip i'm micro i'm like what yeah. <laughs> they go through 20 countries just to end up in our possession they're like yeah. so specialized and you need fab plants and it's raw materials and so the silicon shortage really the silicon wafer shortage and the microchip shortage really hit us but because we manufacture in the uk and because we're so close to our product and so close to the supply chain we felt the ripples and picked it up early enough we sort of knew that it was coming and we started re-engineering our product onto a new chip which was more readily available that we had um, direct supply with so we actually run on two chips now which isn't ideal okay. but it's sort of like hedged our bets so that yeah. we can and, and that's no mean feat like any electronics engineer will tell you like running two two different code sets and it's it's beyond me because I'm not an engineer but I, I work closely with them and I see the headaches yeah. that they go through to, to do this and it's been a challenge but that's one of the joys of UK manufacturing and being so close to your supply chain and being able to pivot and being able to make decisions and we saw that because we did that we accelerated market share we grew quite quickly whereas some of the competitors in the space because they don't manufacture themselves just all yeah. of a sudden the product just stopped arriving yeah, yeah. Or, or slowed right down and it's like the scrambling in the background to try and figure it out and you're up against like you know a Jaguar, for example, has like a thousand microchips in it. We have one microchip per product. So it's all about buying power and you're up against yeah. some of the world's biggest companies. I mean, it, everything's got a chip in it. So. Yes. Yes. We found that out last year. Yeah, <laughs> so. I didn't even know what a bloody chip was until this point. Um, yes. So, yeah, I had to learn fast, but we survived it and we feel like we're out of it. Um, yeah. we, we monitor it very closely. Um, but I think all components, you know, like uh, non-standard components, ones that we maybe make ourselves or we're trying to just um, make sure that we're covered from all angles and got dual source or multiple source for each component just in case we're ever in that situation again. So there was a lot of learnings from it. Um, but we should be all right. I think we're over the worst, but who knows? We never saw that coming. No, I don't think many people did. Um and, and on the product range, I mean, there looks to be a lot of growth potential based on the verticals that you've got already. But, you know, are, are there any other product verticals you might move into in the future that you could talk about? Yeah, so we've just released our battery storage system. So it seemed to be like the obvious missing part of our solution because we there's a lot of talk about us with EV charging because Zappi has been so popular, but we're not just an EV charging business. As mentioned, we we divert power to heat. So we're trying to decarbonize heat, 
heating homes as much as possible and hot water through renewable energy, whether it be your solar panels or a green tariff. <clears throat> so we're just looking to keep adding to that ecosystem because once people get a My Energy product, they very quickly become hooked yeah. and want to start saving as much as possible uh, and flexing their system. And we really are giving people their power back. So the battery storage system is the big heart, really, of it, because if you've got solar and you're out at work all day, you're going to be storing that power in your hot water or your battery and you can literally set the preference. You could say, send half of my surplus to my hot water so I've got a hot shower when I get home and send half of it to my battery. And then at peak times, when you're when you come home and electricity is expensive, you'll have a nice full battery to then put wherever you want. You could either send it to your car if you need a few extra miles or you can power your home off it for a few hours until the electric Ex the expense is down and then you can charge it again at night you know when the tariff's cheap you can charge yeah. your battery at night and then you know to make sure that you've always got some some charge in there so the, the battery we're going to be able to do a hell of a lot with but we also offer um grid services so you know there's been a lot of talk at the minute about demand side response and the grid needing support as we become more and more electric and if you've each home's got a battery in it or a car battery on the front uh, on the drive that's quite a lot of power that you can flex the grid with and we've worked out that if you know once we get to a million customers and this is just with zappy already um products we'd have four gigawatts of power to wow. flex yeah. and the the biggest power station in the uk is drax and that's four so you yeah. can see how impactful that can be if every home that can be decarbonized is yeah um then you can play a vital role in supporting the grid and that's all your choice you don't have to you know you can opt in opt out you can get paid for it you can be there as um flexibility to the grid so it doesn't melt as everybody panics when all yes. these are plugged yeah. in <laughs> um so we're just trying to pioneer and be there at the forefront um, of british tech um to, to 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 look after it all really to decarbonize homes and to and to support the grid so more features yeah. more services battery storage and obviously we're not sitting on our hands we're developing more products for heat yeah. and we're developing more products for the ev space as well which i'm dead excited about and is that the same map of products in germany for example as it is in the uk it follows the same development in each country at the same time or is there a lag effect yeah there's a bit there's been a lag effect in the past which we are literally in the process of switching that up because some of our markets in particular Germany is taking off and is three times bigger than the UK and we've sort of like treat it as um you know we'll, we'll get the UK fixed first then we'll do Germany but now that's completely shifted we're putting a lot of focus on Germany and we're making sure that when we design a product we're not just adapting the product that we've built for the UK we're, we're building it for a globe for the global market um and sometimes they do need a bit of adapting yeah um but we're doing it from the beginning now you know we're only a few we're only coming up seven years old um and all of our, all of our efforts have gone into scaling and <laughs> yeah. um sort of adding features as and when to the product set that we've already got but as we do new development they're they're very much with a global mindset that's really exciting i mean i've seen some of your facilities on linkedin and i've got to say that it looks huge and very impressive so i'm assuming you've got the capacity for this kind of global growth now or do you have even more plans to build more facilities 
Yeah. So the plan is that, I mean, our HQ, we moved into that. That's our offices in R&D now. And we're already bursting at the seams and have outgrown it. And we're building the the, the 65,000 square foot factory next to it, which is going to be amazing. That opens this year. And it's more, it's got, basically, we're in a, a, a rented accommodation at the minute in Grimsby. We're in like an old Wix building and we've managed to figure out how to manufacture out of that. But this building's been built specifically for manufacturing. So it'll give us 50% more capacity at least. But we're also taking a little bit more of a global um, approach. So the UK will always sort of be the the HQ will always have manufacturing in the UK for our, the UK and closest markets, but we wouldn't be boxed off from opening other manufacturing facilities in other markets as they take off, because it's obviously better for the environment as well and stands with sort of our pillars of growth and growing the local economies that we're in. So uh, we don't have any plans at this moment, but we'll go sort of where the where the market takes us. Yeah, no, excellent. And just on partners, really, I mean, it's clearly quite a collaborative model. You, you you work with wholesalers, installers, car dealerships, energy suppliers, home builders. What what are the kind of key priorities on the partnership front for 2023? Um, you know, anywhere it's different for each product because yeah. we've got multiple different routes to market. But if you take again Zappi, for example, we're putting a lot of focus this year on car dealer dealers. Yeah. Um, you know, because that we see a little bit of a shift in the market because it's going more mainstream. Um, yeah. We want to just be make sure that we're there at the point of sale of a car. So obviously the, the leasing companies are, are, are a big one. And also what I'm finding is like a lot of our partners really like us because we're not just offering them an EV charger and then and then bailing. Yes. <laughs> We've got yes. multiple ways that they can upsell. Yeah. To, their, to their own customer we've got a few different models to help that we can either you know do the full install for them of all of our products and give them an affiliate fee or they can get a little bit more involved if they want to they can install it themselves and we can just provide hardware we can do co-branding and you know like sort of jvs it's just the world's your oyster really we just want to get in front of as many people as possible and offer as many people um good services so I think I think leasing companies are going to be the big one. Yeah. This year. And maybe some of the bigger car dealerships, if they're listening, they should they should get in touch really, shouldn't they? Oh yeah, dealerships for sure. Um yeah, car dealerships, leasing companies, any any anywhere where the point of sale of car is really. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, finally it's clear that that you're very ambitious and my energy are very ambitious it's great to see the awards you've both been winning of late as well but if i could close on where, where would you expect my energy to be in five years time um I, I don't know because i don't think i could have ever imagined this level of um, growth <laughs> but when it actually happens i'm like oh my god um in more markets, but I just really want to cement the brand as a household name to answer all of these difficult questions. So when people are thinking, yeah. God, I want solar, but I don't yeah. know when to start or yeah. um, I, I want to understand battery storage a little bit better. I just want us to be the brand, the trusted brand that they can come to for their energy independence, for their yeah. full understanding of the market. Because I really do believe in the market and the electrification of of the, the market and I just want us to be that household trusted name so that's going to be my mission but hopefully we'll be in america as well that that would be a that would be a win 
but who knows? I mean, you know what you've what you've achieved already is great, and and obviously I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against you conquering America within that five year period as well. So that's fantastic to see. But Jordan, really appreciate your time today, and look forward to catching up soon. Thank you. Thank you. This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority for designated investment business and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed.